0: Hey everyone, I am Barrett Gruber, host of the All About Nothing podcast, and because you listen to my show, you know that our family grows with every guest. And one of our family has had a tragedy in their family that could use our help. Friend of the show and podcaster, the diligent dabber, host of the Dad Who Dabs, recently suffered a house fire. Now the damage is described as mostly exterior and attic, but the fire took out the electricity, which now requires they live in a nearby hotel, this family of four diligent dabber, his wife, and two boys, 6 and 11, and they're in need of help, and I'm asking for everyone's assistance. Please visit their GoFundMe page through this address, barrett.gr helpthedabber. Regardless of the amount, it all helps to get this family back into their home. Again, barrett.gr helpthedabber. Every single bit helps. Thank you very much for letting me interrupt.
1: This episode includes strong violent and sexual content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we are status Status Macabre.
0: Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre.
1: All right, we're back at it. Hello. Chrissy's got something very interesting to share with us today. Dude, what's going on with your hair? I don't know, what it's doing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you see it? It's like all puffy up front, like you've got some kind of 80s I mean, you do 80s great, but I, I was like, whoa. I
1: can't... Yeah, no, I you see it? Barely, because there's like a double... Sh- a double reflection. Now, but it
2: was like real big in the front. Like, yeah, the bouffant going on. It's
0: like... <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. I'm glad we don't have a camera. So, here.
2: yeah, welcome back. I hope everybody had a great week. Um, I have a, a super interesting story here. I want to hear all about it. Um, so... And and I have to post pictures of this cuz it is pretty freaking nasty. So I'm I'm sitting here looking at a picture of a face mask. So imagine Hannibal Lecter.
1: I mean, and can I just say you have to in order to even click into this, you have to say you are over the age of 18.
2: Yes. And it it, it is pretty gruesome, but we're we're talking face mask. It almost looks like it total Holy Hannibal Lecter. Shit. Hannibal Lecter type situation, right? So <gasps> so the person who posted this uh, actually colorized the original black and white photo, but um, it's Poland, 1999. A 26-year-old man killed his father by multiple puncture wounds to the chest and neck using a sharpened screwdriver. He lured his father into the cellar, and before inflicting the fatal strokes... He tried in vain to electrocute him using a stun gun. After this, he hung his father by the legs in a cellar window and then decapitated him using a surgical scalpel and shovel. Additionally, he made deep incisions across the whatever this uh pop fosse, and I am guessing he, that's like just the He did it
1: so it would he it it would, would basically drain, cut him to drain the drain blood. Drain the blood,
2: yeah. right? So it's bleeding, it's draining, and he collected the blood uh, from the cervical stump vessels into a bucket. Um, he then took the separated head and neck upstairs to his room and scalped it through the whole night because this dude, this dude, he is wanting to create a face mask. He did. So afterward, he threw the head in the garden, um, and he basically uh, buried his father in the in the garden. So his body's in there, right? Um, he placed the scalp mask over his head, previously shaved and layered with stick tape. So he's got this thing over his head, almost like a pumpkin. Um, he put on his father's clothes, um, along with his hat and glasses and scarf. And left home to sit on a bench. Now, clearly, this guy's got some mental issues is what I'm thinking. Um, When his grandfather came by later, he started a conversation with him pretending to be his father. So imagine (laughs) you're the grandpa. You're what you think is your son is looking a little weird.
1: Uh, Uh, No, there's no there's no looking (laughs) a little weird there. So you guys... (laughs) Um, you're definitely going to have to, good God. Yeah. I well, can't believe they post. Oh my God. He did a good job.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I know. Right. That's it's like the,
1: and we'll have to post the pictures, but it's. So it's, Reddit has the, the pictures, yeah. um, uh, they have the, the pictures of the, of the face mask, literally.
2: Yeah. And you can see the stump of his head, like where he skinned it. It's pretty gross. It's they pretty gruesome. They have
1: pictures of him hanging upside. I can't believe yep. they have all this yep. posted.
2: So the the grandfather did not recognize him originally and was sure he was talking with his son. That's why I'm saying he had to have done a great job with putting the face the skin mask on because his grandfather's like, what, what, what's going on? Um, now maybe he was blind. I don't know. But after a while, um, they even had breakfast together. So finally, the grandfather was surprised by an unnatural voice of his what he thought was his son and suspicious of his just his demeanor. Um, so he goes into the, se- the cellar and he finds the body of his son, uh, you know, hanging um, and departed for a neighbor's house to call the police. The grandson finding that the crime had, you know, been discovered uh, left the home taking the garments of his father um, that he had been wearing on the day of his death and found a hiding place nearby. And so the police come, they're they're investigating, and they're like, what the hell? But they find um, that the corpse is dressed only in underwear.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and they... And hung fastened by the legs in the window. So as you can see that picture where he's hanging upside down. Um, And his upper limbs are spread out on the floor as if crucified. The scalp of the head, neck, and upper chest, a sharpened screwdriver, and a shovel were found on the floor. In the first floor room, a needle and thread along with surgical scalpel, prosthetic mass, and some small pieces of the scalp were found nearby. So, um, as I mentioned, the head was separated from the neck at the level of the third cervical vertebrae. So, it was a, uh, you know, more of a neck cut, you know, on up. Um, And the uh, the head was, had no
1: soft tissue. Yeah, they, yeah. Ooh, you guys need to. Dude, if, if that kind of thing doesn't freak you out, you need to go and check it out. So, did they, like, this kid... I hope. I hope he's in jail.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the perpetrator, he he admitted his guilt, um, and he was an immigrant of Polish descent um, from one of the Russian republics. Are you Hmm. gonna make it? (laughs) (laughs) She's up to. She's interrupting the whole story because her dumbass like whacked her.
1: (laughs) Oh my god! I hit my knee. These sections here. I know
2: they're awful.
1: Oh, okay. I'm good. Thank you. You you're gonna make it? Gonna you're
2: make gonna it. have a giant bruise,
1: and then I'm gonna be like, "What happened there?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. So yeah, he lived in Poland for some years first, along uh, alone as a student and then later with his father and grandfather and um he had actually studied medicine for one year then psychology for three and then finally dropped out
1: did they get into why he did this other than you know
2: crazy so according to the son um the father had settled in poland after fleeing um from family revenge due to the fact that in the old country he had seduced a woman 30 years his junior and a daughter um, of his own friend. So the father left the boy's mother and sister penniless. And despite the fact that he himself was quite wealthy, he took no interest in their welfare. So essentially <laughs> it was a I'm gonna get your ass.
1: Act of revenge for leaving. Situation.
2: Us yep. The per- the perpetrator testified that he had planned the de- the details of the murder and mutilation and prepared the tools in a cellar. And he goes, he was just like, you know what? You caused me a lot of pain in my childhood, so I am going to take the skin off your head and wear it myself and then talk to my grandpa. I mean, to me, that's a I, it's a very detailed plan. I get the revenge, but why you want to pretend to be him?
1: Dude, uh, so note to self, take care of your kids.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I do not understand. Um, he was eventually diagnosed as having a uh, borderline schizophrenic personality
1: no yeah yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and and it, it i mean he just he, he just said he, away believed, the trash. he believed that uh quote a man's worth can be recognized in his values rather than on his face
1: end quote dude there's a lot of um what do i want to say here there's a a lot of symbolisms in, in this story. Yeah. It's uh, he, you uh, these, these pictures, I cannot believe. Yeah. These the, pictures. Guys,
2: I can't explain. I can't even begin to tell you how graphic we probably
1: should just link this.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know that I want to post those pictures yeah. per se, but we will definitely put a link on Facebook. Um, and if you're up to looking at, you can click that you're over, um, 18 and you're okay with looking at them. But yeah, this guy went to serious, painful, uh, steps to make it look like he was his father. Meticulous work.
1: Yep. and, when you okay, I don't know that people actually think about this, but we think about it because we have this podcast. But when you think about wearing the skin of anyone, Ooh. that's something that comes out in patches and pieces that you stitch together. Yeah, or I don't know hot, whatever you do, hot glue together. <laughs> this guy stitched it. Um, and and I I am here to tell you. They, in the autopsy room, they put, they put the skin back over his skull. Right. Yep. Yep. And it looks like I can almost get a visual of this guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the last picture, it almost looks like a cartoon character head. You know, I feel like it's some kind of horror movie or some kind of cartoon character. I, I feel like I've seen a movie where the head was skinned and I can't, place it in my head but he he totally looks like some kind of uh you know skeletor yeah
1: (laughs) he looks like fucking skeletor man i'm i gotta get off this page i'm gonna have damn bedroom well that is uh thanks for sharing that absolutely i sent it to my kids did you well you know (laughs) thanks mom
2: yeah I, i i find it very fascinating that somebody would go to that yeah um level of revenge uh just to get back at him because he was, you know, poor as a child.
1: I mean, that seems a little excessive. It does, um, a little bit. A little bit. But gruesome and yeah. right up our alley. Yeah. Well, that was. So that's all I got. So wow. um, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just that's crazy. I mean, and so this story is not as sick or disturbing as that, but it is sick and disturbing. Well, let's get to it. Um. I'm guess
2: I'm speechless from, I know some, there are some, some stories that leave us, uh,
1: speechless. Well, I think the story in and of itself would not have been as interesting without the pictures for me. Oh yeah. Uh, It would just be like, oh, some kid got pissed off and cut his dad's head off, made a skin mask. Yeah.
2: Without looking at it, you can't, you cannot, um, appreciate the level of, I, I mean, this guy was really good at carving for sure. Oh God. He it's probably should have used that as like a hobby, you know, maybe some wood. I'm wondering could if whittle. it's like,
1: you know, like skinning a catfish. Like how do you pull after you cut? How do you, I guess you just yank the skin off.
2: Well, yeah. If you look at the pictures, there's like no, there's no cuts on the back. Yeah. His hair's still it's right there. Here. Yeah. It's His just ears. Done. He just peeled that shit back, man. It's oh, like, yeah,
1: totally like a fish. Okay. Ooh. All right. Thank you for no that. No
2: problem. Anytime, <laughs> Chris,
1: <laughs> Chrissy. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I encourage everybody to to find that, or click on it, and look at it. It's it's creepy. Um, okay, uh, switching gears. Sylvia Likens. So, the October twenty sixth, nineteen sixty five. Torture and Myrtle. 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 <laughs>
2: I love it when we mess up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What do you say, rented lips? Yeah. Murder of a (laughs) sixteen. I'm all shook up now after seeing those fucking videos or (laughs) (laughs) those pictures. Those pictures. Um, The murder of sixteen-year-old Sylvia Likens is one of the most notorious crimes in Indiana, Indianapolis history. Not to say that they don't have crime, but this is one of the most horrific and heinous in that area. This poor child endured months of sickening torture at the hands of her caregiver, her caregiver's children and neighborhood children.
2: You know, I love it when we do cases that are just awful because it totally gives us stuff to talk about. Yeah. But I hate it when it's about kids.
1: This is, this is just gut wrenching. Um, we often see and talk about cases that involve more than one victim most of the time including children the criminal and those stories are insane or mentally challenged in some way or already a convict with their acts of violence or mayhem playing out quickly or very rapidly with within a span of months or hours right oftentimes the aftermath in the aftermath people can or could comprehend chain of events that unfolded if that makes sense Mm -hmm. right um oh uh she had a terrible childhood or Mm. whatever right yeah um that's really not the case when we talk about sylvia likens now on the surface the likens murder is really not all that different from any other number of crimes a teenage girl left under the care of a strict uh thora say it for me
2: authoritative
1: authoritarian
2: authoritarian yeah you could use that too. whose idea of <laughs> discipline
1: is physical abuse and it escalates until the abused victim dies so if that was the extent you'd be like okay just another yeah person that mm-hmm. was beaten ultimately died and i'm not condoning it i'm just saying it wouldn't be as interesting
2: no so yeah i'm interested in what makes this interesting right
1: um for, for me, this case is a little more dis- disturbing than some of the other ones because of a couple of things. The abuse was carried out not just by the caregiver, um, Gertrude, mm-hmm. but also by her children, and some as young as 10, and also by other children in the neighborhood. For weeks and months, the torture of Sylvia Likens was very just casual entertainment something to do um after dinner you know hey you bored let's go to Gertrude's house and beat the girl
2: hey um guys it's dinner time but first I want you to go beat this girl
1: yeah like Um, that's horrible who does that yeah at least a dozen children participated or at least watched and nobody felt disturbed or scared enough to tell their parents so there definitely were other children that knew about it, but not all of the adults did. I, I just I I don't
2: know. It makes you wonder what kind of parents these other kids had to think that, yeah, it's okay to go beat up another kid.
1: Some other adults occasionally came to Gertrude's house for various reasons, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar or whatever and saw Sylvia's appearance she looked ragged and, and beaten but nobody again contacted law enforcement or even asked if she was okay another thing is sylvia and her younger sister jenny had opportunities to tell adults at school or even at church they even had <clears throat> adult relatives living nearby neither really spoke up because jenny later on would explain that they thought it would make things much much worse yeah neither could conceive you know of the possibility that authorities would come in to help them out, remove them from the house. Um, and I can, I can personally relate to not sharing something because you're, you're scared that it's just going to be. Well, yeah, you don't know what you. the reaction
2: is going to be. If right. somebody's going to believe you and if they don't, she's just going to beat your ass worse.
1: And we'll see a little bit of that as we talk about the story. On October 26, 1965, Indianapolis police were called to 3850 East New York Street, where Sylvia's body laid on a mattress. Gertrude, the owner of the house, told the police the young girl had been attacked by a gang of boys and even produced a note written in Sylvia's own handwriting that seemed to confirm her story. However, the police weren't stupid, and they could tell just by looking at Sylvia and her condition that there was much more to the story. Sylvia's body was Malnourished. it was covered with sores, bruises, burns. Uh, many of them were old. She even had been branded on her stomach by a hot metal object. Um, the words "I am a prostitute were were carved into her stomach. so oh my god they they looked at the situation and were like, hmm, okay, Gertrude. <laughs> you're full of shit. And we may have been born at night. (laughs) But it wasn't last night. Last night. (laughs) So let's talk how it really all began. How did Sylvia and Jenny even get into the situation to begin with? Well, Sylvia came from a large, poor family in southern Boone County, um, northwest of Indianapolis. Her father, Lester Likens had only an eighth grade education and worked a lot of different jobs, odd jobs, essentially to make a living. He had a laundry route. He worked in factories. He even unsuccessfully owned a small restaurant at one time. He and his wife also would travel on and off with carnivals, selling food from a concession cart. And in 1965, he and his wife decided to go back to that for the summer. Mm -hmm. Now, it's foreign. Now this is my, this is the sixties, right? Sure. I don't, you know, it's like, hey, I'm gonna go. This is like a American horror story kind of thing for me, right? <sighs> like, I'm gonna I'm gonna travel and make some money with the carnival,
2: right? For yeah. a few months. But I was gonna say
1: any to me, that's sketch all the way around. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what did that mean? That meant that they had to find somebody to watch four of their children. The oldest, Diane, was married and moved out. The two boys, Danny and Benny, were placed with their grandparents, and then it left the girls, Sylvia and Jenny. Sylvia was 16, and Jenny was 15.
2: So they didn't want to take their kids carnival hopping. They
1: couldn't, apparently. Oh, okay. They could not take the the kids with them.
2: They were like, all right, you can go make some money, but you got to leave your kids. All right. And
1: the money, apparently, um, and for that time, was good enough for them to consider it for like a three or four month span. Sure. Um, But then the grandmother couldn't take all the kids and the sister couldn't, you know, terrible chain of events. Sure. They just had to be split up. Jenny was shy, which is a big, that would be a no-no for me. I wouldn't even, I would never leave. Well, I wouldn't join a carnival, first of all. I was going to say,
2: I mean, unless it's millions.
1: uh, Fair. And can you leave your kids for three months for millions? Okay, well. Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll work that.
2: something out. we we'll figure it out. We're going to
1: work it out. <laughs> now, Jenny, the younger sister, yeah. was shy, insecure, and um, or a brace. She limped from childhood polio. So she had a brace on her leg okay. from having polio when she was younger. Sylvia was outwardly more confident and went by the nickname Cookie, which... okay. Okay. She likes cookies? I don't know. I never found why they <laughs> called her cookie. Um, she was pretty. Uh, you know, she was cute. She was 16. Like mm-hmm. all 16-year-old girls, well, not like now. 16-year-old girls look like they're 24 now. Um, but she always kept her mouth closed because when she smiled, she was missing a front tooth. She was born without this front tooth, and her family didn't have money. I don't Check even. it fixed. Right. Mm. Um, a mutual friend introduced the lichens to Gertrude Benazzo. Ben is and uh, Gertrude. Um, she lived in a big house and was willing to look after Jenny and Sylvia for $20 a week, which was to be mailed every week in the form of a money order. Okay. She had the room. Um, she had uh, seven children that she was already caring for. And these were her own children. Ugh. And these names are important. Uh, Paula is 17. John is 12. Stephanie is 15. Mary is eleven, Shirley is ten, and then the twins, James and Dennis, eighteen months old. So all of these kids lived in the house. Oh,
2: okay. So we, it's almost like a boarding house. And
1: but those are her; those are her own right, kids.
2: Right, right. Where's her her significant other?
1: So he is off; um, he's deployed. Okay, so he he's not home. Right. Yeah, he okay. is uh, not home now. These kids, uh, James and Dennis, the the twins, are uh, fathered by the current husband okay um the first husband who is the father of the older children mm-hmm. um she's divorced from okay and right. he is alive somewhere
2: okay but he's just a deadbeat piece of shit
1: he's well <laughs> i don't know that he's deadbeat um, I just know that... I know, I'm just... Kidding. She's like, all of them are. <laughs> i was like, sorry, I mean, <laughs> how did you not get that? <laughs> From the very beginning, there was beef between Sylvia and Gertrude's 17-year-old daughter, Paula. And after only two weeks, so the first two weeks apparently went really well, mm-hmm. but after two weeks, the money orders started to come in late or they weren't coming in at all. And this really pissed Gertrude off so much that she started taking her revenge out on the girls so there's two catalysts here there's the beef between sylvia and paula Mm -hmm. and then there's the fact that gertrude didn't get her money
2: i mean 20 dollars is 20
1: (laughs) (laughs) dollars per jenny's testimony gertrude quote took us upstairs and she slapped me and said well i took care of you two bitches for a week for nothing end quote She would also spank them bare bottom with various objects, which is, you know, as we all, well, I don't say, I know, right. (laughs) It's painful. It's a painful punishment. Uh, During one month, Gertrude beat both girls with 15 lashes across their bare backs after Paula, who is Gertrude's oldest accused the sisters of eating too much food at a church potluck. It's church. Wow. So this kind of abuse was really happening daily.
2: Well, and it, it's interesting that she is singling these two girls out and not beating her own kids. Oh, well,
1: yeah. I mean, she... You know, she, like, why? Because of the payment, not... She's not going to beat her own kids, but I'm just saying
2: at core, at your core being you're, you're angry. You have to,
1: you're over angry. 20, you're angry at the, you're angry at the product of the person. Right. That isn't keeping their end of the bargain. And Sylvia and Paula had beef, which we'll get into a little bit more. Um, Gertrude, like, if you look at this chick, she looks like a skeleton with skin. She was frail, mm. underweight. She looked sickly. Um, she had two, and I'm calling them weapons that mm-hmm. she used to punish the girls: a fraternity-style paddle and a thick leather belt um, that were left behind by her ex-husband, mm-hmm. uh, who was an Indianapolis police officer. Oh. Are, you, are you googling her?
2: I sure as hell she am. She is hideous. She is not very. Oh, snap. She right. is. She looks like a
1: skeleton with skin.
2: Well, in older pictures, too, she looks like, uh, you know, Joey's um, agent from Friends. You know, the one that smokes all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what she looks like.
1: Gertrude began using the paddle on Sylvia and Jenny for various offenses, such as uh, an trivial things. Um, I'm taking my soft drink bottle to this gas station for change. Um, at one time she suspected Sylvia of stealing and she used matches to burn the girls' fingers. Um, sometimes Gertrude felt too weak to beat the girls or torture them, um, because she had asthma. Uh, and so she said, Hey, Paula, why don't you beat the girls for me? And Paula would. Paula would. Oh, as the abuse escalates, Sylvia becomes the really the main target for Gertrude's wrath. Um I don't know, Jenny wore a leg brace and maybe she felt bad about beating the handicapped kid, but she she still got spanked, right? And and these beatings, these lashings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it she didn't get the extent that uh Sylvia did. Sylvia got, okay. Now word begins to spread among the neighborhood Teenagers and kids, and they wanted to know and see what was going on. They started going to Gertrude's home and were allowed to participate in beating and torturing Sylvia. The kids took turns practicing judo on her. They used her as a practice dummy and would uh, use these aggressive judo moves and beat her. They would um, cut her. Uh, she was used as an ashtray by some of the older teens. She had bruises, lacerations all over her body. I mean, she was—this was a daily occurrence for her. While Gertrude and a gang of teenagers watched, Sylvia was forced in front of a crowd of people to completely undress and insert an empty Coke bottle into her oh, vagina. Oh my and God! She was forced to masturbate with <gasps> that Coke bottle in front of everybody. And these, these happened over and over and it resulted in severe injuries to her genitals, which you can imagine.
2: Well, and if you think about it, this is not only bad for Sylvia, but even the younger impressionable children that are watching this. And that's yeah. probably like one of their first sexual arousal things, And that. And she, that right there has fucked up those kids forever in terms yeah. of what sexually arouses
1: them. And she, and at 16, she probably had no clue. And we're talking about in the 60s as well, right? <sighs> she probably had no clue what to, you know, she was just doing what people were telling right. her to do. Right, absolutely. After the beatings, Gertrude would force Sylvia into scalding hot bath so she could be, quote, cleansed of her sins, end quote. And now when I say scalding hot, I want to, Clear the air here because my house, the temperature of my hot water heater is not set on scalding hot, right? <laughs> my but taco. my dad's house yeah. will burn you. So it was, <laughs> he's got that damn thing jacked all the way up. Right. And you know, you can control the sure, temperature. Sure, yeah. So I have put my hands under scalding hot water, not boiling, but, and it's, I've had to yank them back. It's been so hot. Imagine sitting in a in a bath. bath.
2: And you probably would have... Burnt skin. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That's awful. She was severely beaten and burned for wetting her mattress, which was likely due. Well, I'm going to say it was due um, to the amount of beatings that she was given on a daily basis. She had so much anxiety. She was wetting the bed. Mm -hmm. Sylvia was starved. On one occasion, she was forced fed hot dogs at one dinner in particular by a neighborhood boy named randy leper so the hot dogs were said to be overloaded with condiments and yes i mean ketchup mustard onions relish all of that i mean i am hungry i know right <laughs> and she was forced to eat them until she vomited and mm. then she was forced to eat what she threw, threw oh, up. oh
2: my god all of these people need to be
1: beat oh uh, yeah it's This is sick. It's in, and the story doesn't get any better even all the way to the end. Oh, God. Um, Now, Sylvia, in retaliation, and likely (laughs) one of the only ways she felt like she could get revenge was by starting a rumor. At school that Stephanie, another one of Gertrude's daughter, would have money, would have sex for money. And so a boy thought it was funny and he came to Stephanie and he jokingly propositioned her. And um, when she basically pressed him and said, hey, who the fuck told you that I was going to do that? He said, well, Sylvia did. Uh, And not knowing that. What was going to happen. Yeah. So when they got home from school, Stephanie asked Sylvia if she started the rumor. Mm -hmm. Well, Sylvia said, yeah. And Stephanie punches her right in the mouth. And as soon as it happened, of course, that's painful. Sylvia started crying and she apologized. Like, it was pretty immediate, right? Sure. Well, Stephanie starts to cry too. And it seems like they are going to have a moment where they can get past this and move on. Um, but Stephanie's boyfriend who was there basically said no. And so he attacked Sylvia in front of everybody, slapped her, punched her. He's banging her head against the wall. He takes her hair and pulls it so Far back that she flips backwards. Oh my God. And in addition to that beating, when Gertrude finds out about it, she beats Sylvia.
2: My God. This, how, I'm, uh, and all of this happened in, in like a span of months or three months. Three months.
1: Mm-hmm. Holy so, shit. Shortly after this incident, mm-hmm. it was getting very obvious that she's got all these bruises and, Uh, She was intentionally kept home from school. I was
2: going to say, how did the teachers and and she
1: was no longer allowed to go to school. She was no longer allowed to go to church. Um, And the beating still continued. Matter of fact, Sylvia and Jenny ended up meeting their oldest sister. I think it was Diane Mm -hmm. on one particular day. And they told her what was happening. The older sister thought that the kids, the girls had been embellishing the story oh. and they didn't she ultimately didn't believe that the abuse was happening or it was as bad as they were describing same. yeah and uh, she didn't do anything with the information she didn't call the cops she didn't tell her parents she did nothing i bet she feels like shit now god on another visit to see the same sister gertrude's youngest daughter went with them To the park. They didn't mention the abuse at all this time to Diane, but they ate a sandwich while they were at the park. When they got home, the uh, Gertrude found out that they had eaten a sandwich and put them both in the scalding hot baths. Sylvia passed out because of the pain and the heat, and Gertrude was slammed her head against the bathtub repeatedly to wake her up.
2: I uh, I'm like having a really hard time. Like a lot of times, you know, we talk about cases and I'm able to somewhat identify with maybe somebody's anger or some or or at least just chalk it up to they're mentally messed up. This lady, I cannot for the life of me understand her anger. And and granted 20 bucks was 20 bucks back then, but like I am yeah. I don't care how much money. It's, I'm able to say it's not the kids' fault that the money's not coming, right? But I'm having a and that might
1: annoy you. Sure, absolutely. I'm not going to beat the kid. It out on the kids. Yeah,
2: I'm just having a really hard time trying to put myself in this woman's shoes or even identify with why she may have done what she's what she's done. It's 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 so absurd to me that I can't. I just can't
1: get past this is hard to
2: identify with or understand
1: a man from the neighborhood did eventually call the school and report that there was a girl in Gertrude's house that was being abused. Thank God. But Gertrude told the officers or Mm -hmm. the people from the school, whoever came out that the, that Sylvia was out of control and that she had run away from. So she lied essentially to basically cover it up. The school took that as okay everything's fine they never followed up, followed up they never did anything after that and that was the only neighbor so sylvia and jenny told their sister diane and mm-hmm. then this one neighbor reached out to to say something those were the only two fault, you know attempts and
2: really the authorities just didn't believe because
1: the yeah. kids well yeah well and they didn't see sylvia either they they just, they saw, just talked to Gertrude. Mm-hmm. Because of her abuse, poor Sylvia became incontinent, which oh. pissed Gertrude off even more. She said, oh, fuck this, and basically put her in the basement and tied her up on October 6th. Uh, And that is where she stayed until she died. Now, she died on October 26. While down there, she was given very little food, very little water. She was forced to wet herself or use corners of the room as a toilet. Children in the neighborhood would pay Gertrude five cents to see Sylvia. Um, And I'm not sure why the broken, burned scarred body of someone who was being tortured was such an attraction to those kids, but they would, she was making money off the kids coming in to see her and to torture her. It's like she's
2: the sideshow of some oh, sort. God.
1: Yeah. And because Gertrude was so sickly and frail, she started asking the kids to help her put Sylvia into the scalding tubs. And she started rubbing salt into <gasps> her cuts and wounds and burns. I, Now, on October 23rd, Gertrude told her kids that Sylvia was a, quote, prostitute, and she's proud of it. So we'll just put it on her stomach, end quote. She took a large needle and began carving the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, into Sylvia's stomach. Then when she got tired, she handed the needle to a 14-year-old kid named Richard Hobbs, the neighbor boy, to finish the carving, and so Ugh. this was the needle. You know how, I don't know if you were little, you just put it over a lighter to kind of quote unquote Sand. sterilize yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they did. So it was, it was scratched. It was edged in brand. I was going to
2: say, yeah, you're etched and branded. That's,
1: This poor girl. Oh, yeah. And once they were done with that, Richard and Gertrude's 10-year-old daughter, Shirley, grabbed a bolt and burned it and tried to unsuccessfully brand the letter S into her left breast. Um, They weren't able to get the whole letter branded, but they did burn her. Um, At 10. At 10,
2: but at ten That's what, yeah. I would be terrified that my mom was gonna do it to me. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. You don't know what these poor kids were probably thinking. They're yeah. They had to know but they had to have known it was wrong.
1: They did. They did. Sylvia knew she was dying and actually told her sister that she knew that she didn't have long to live. And she tried to escape, but Gertrude stopped her before she even really got very she didn't even get I don't think to the door. And that was on the twenty fifth, right? And days before and when Gertrude realized that Sylvia was dying, right? It was obvious. Mm -hmm. She forced Sylvia to write a note saying a gang of boys beat her. Her final day on this earth was not much different from the three months of hell that she had already endured. Sylvia had lost the ability to speak correctly She was delirious. She was now fully incontinent. And in an attempt to clean her up, 12-year-old John Jr., who is Gertrude's son, um, hosed Sylvia down with with a water hose in the basement and laughed at her. And uh, she tried to escape from the basement at that point, but Gertrude caught her at the bottom of the steps, pushed her down, and stomped on her head. The only person who gave Sylvia any comfort in really her last hours was Richard Hobbs. So he was the one who finished jane on the prostitute. I was say, he prostitute. carved in her. Yeah. yeah. He gave her a warm bubble bath and dressed her in clean clothes. Sylvia, at that point, was laid on a mattress in a bedroom where she never woke up again. Oh. She died on October 26, 1965 at 16 years old.
2: That is... I can't think of a, a, a worse death. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, it was not quick and easy. Yeah. It was prolonged for three months. And all while, her parents had no idea
1: what was going exactly. on. Now, when the police arrived, Gertrude told them Sylvia had returned home that day in her bloody and dying state and claimed that she had tried to nurse her to health. Everyone in that house was questioned, including Paula, who's the oldest, who told police that Sylvia's death was, quote, meant to happen, end quote. She also told Jenny that she was welcome to continue living (gasps) with the family.
2: Oh, but, yeah. Jenny, you can stay.
1: Yeah. Jenny Likens was 15 years old. She would be instrumental in getting these monsters, right, these guys convicted. After she told police the prearranged statement that was written by Gertrude, she said to an officer, like on the download, Mm -hmm. quote, you get me out of here, and I will tell you everything, end quote.
2: Good. Good for her.
1: Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, Coy Hubbard, Richard Hobbs, and John Jr. were all arrested for Sylvia's murder after an accurate statement was given by Jenny. And, of course, you know, not in front of the people who had right. traumatized her. Right. Um, after that statement was given to the officers, five other children from the neighborhood children from the neighborhood were also arrested for their involvement
2: because they knew it was wrong. They had to have, I mean, they were probably being beat every day. So they knew that shit was wrong.
1: And it was only during the autopsy that doctors were able to see the extent of Sylvia's injuries. She had over 150 wounds, including the carving on her stomach. She had a hole in her right wrist that almost that went, they said almost to the bone. They think it was likely from uh, where they would put the lit cigarettes out on her continuously. Um, Her fingernails were broken. She had bit through her lips, almost separating them from her face. Oh, God. Overall, the cause of death was written as subdural hematoma to her right temple, along with shock and other injuries and malnourishment. So that hematoma, that hemorrhaging was likely from when Gertrude stomped stomped her her head.
2: I was going to say that had to have been when she stomped her head.
1: So the the trial. I don't want to give this woman any more airtime. So I'm just going to get to the to the nitty-gritty here. Because one, there's no justice when somebody is killed. But yeah. these guys got off really, really easily. At her trial. The next year, Gertrude denied any knowledge of torture, claiming the children must have done it all. She blamed
2: it on her own fucking kids.
1: She entered pleas of not guilty and not guilty by reason of insanity.
2: But you're just admitting that you did it because you're insane. I mean, what? That doesn't even make sense.
1: She's definitely a piece of work, no doubt. On May nineteenth, nineteen sixty six, a jury found Gertrude guilty of first degree murder, while Paula was found guilty of second degree murder. Yeah, I want to
2: say, you know, fuck Paula.
1: Oh yeah, all of them. Fuck all of them.
2: She is a dirty little bitch.
1: Richard Hobbs, along with Gertrude's son, John, and another neighborhood boy, Coy, were convicted of manslaughter. Gertrude and Paula were sentenced to life at the Indiana Women's Prison in Indianapolis, and the boys were sentenced to two to 21-year terms at the Indiana State Reformatory in Pendleton. Now, in 1971, the Indiana Supreme Court granted Gertrude and Paula a new trial due to, quote, prejudicial atmosphere end quote gertrude was again convicted of first degree murder on august 5th 1971 good paula pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter and served two more years in prison the boys were released on parole for good behavior in 1968 after serving about two years each of their sentences in december of 1985 gertrude was released on parole no way. She changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen and moved to Iowa where she lived in obscurity until her death from lung cancer um, on June 16th, 1990. Paula married and moved to a farm in Iowa. John became a lay minister in Texas and counseled children of divorced parents. And Richard Hobbs, uh, this is the one that did the carving, mm-hmm. died of cancer at the age of 21. Oh, wow. Four years after being released. Wow, so
2: you got one who's a minister, mm-hmm. counselor
1: of children of divorced parents, and Paula's married. Paula got married, moved to a farm, and had some kids. I think she, I think she changed her name as well. Now Jenny mm. Likens, the sister, mm-hmm. went on to marry and had two children of her own. She spent years on medication due to anxiety sure. from watching her sister's torture and murder, and of course being tortured. And beat herself. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But she she said she never blamed her parents for what happened during their their childhood. Um, And Jenny Likens-Wade died in 2004 at the age of 54. Oh, wow. That's young. So it's been 56 years since Sylvia's death. And things have changed because of her murder. If you suspect a child is being abused in Indiana, it is now your lawful duty to report it, period. If if, you don't report it, you could be charged.
2: Well, good, because it's not just, you're not an island, man. Right. You know, you have a duty just as a normal human being in society to report some shit like yeah. that.
1: And I kind of hate the same, but I kind of love it when it's convenient for me, but it takes a village, really. It, right? It does. To, it, you know, to do a lot of things. Um, so the reason for this torture was ultimately jealousy. That's it. Paula was jealous of Sylvia, who was pretty and fit, Paula was heavy and not attractive and also pregnant at the time. She was pregnant. She was pregnant. So she was just a dirty so She was the catalyst. And then for, for the the whole prostitute thing on her, which you right. know was Gertrude's up being upset at her own daughter and not being able to beat her pregnant daughter for right. being stupid. Um, and the fact, yeah. So jealousy between the Paula and yeah. Sylvia and... I don't know. Here's what I don't think. I don't know that it would have gotten to, I don't know that anything would have happened had those money orders. Yeah.
2: I, I'm curious. Like if they continue to pay and keep, you know, Gertrude financially stable or whatever, then I wonder if the abuse would have happened personally. I feel like it still would have happened because money is not going to solve the jealousy issue between Paula and Sylvia. So, oh, yeah. No, but I don't yeah. know
1: to what extent. Right. I don't know. What I don't know is to what extent, like there would have been beef regardless. And sure. so mom would have had to have gotten involved. But she definitely didn't like the fact that her daughter was pregnant. The, and these punishments are, are are. let me say it. This was torture. They had actually planned to take her and dump her somewhere. At But... To take her somewhere and dump her so she would never be found. So they, there was planning that went into this. It wasn't yeah. just like, I'm going to wake up one day and beat you. She planned this. So why did she ever step foot outside of a prison? I, her and Paula? Yeah, I don't know how that
2: was okay. Like, how? We're, hmm.
1: Yeah, so that's <laughs> I, all I have, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And on our next episode, you will hear all about our New Orleans trip.
2: Yes, I hope everybody has a great week. Thanks, bye, Bye bye-bye.
0: This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, Please visit statusmacab.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Nink the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.